You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Score North and scorenorth.com. Three teams have been 15 to 1 in the history of the National Football League. All right? Give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah, and then go jump off a boat. And then go uh, hit yourself upside the head for what happened at the end of that season. Ordinarily, that soundbite just ends there. What do you mean? Well, you've played that that soundbite at the beginning of PD a bunch of times, and ordinarily it just ends there. You know, it's fifteen and one, oh. and then we move on to a topic du jour, and we forget about what the what the end was. That's yeah, well, no, not today. Today we're gonna we're gonna pick at some scabs here today. Let's, go, baby. let's do it, baby. All right, let's go get it. <laughs> we're gonna dive into, I think, the most. Is it fair to say the most like influential loss in Vikings history? Just in terms of, let me explain that in a second, because I actually have a full sure. take on this. But this is sure. our uh, historical pie chart week continued on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, presented by TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Learn more at TCL.com. Inspire greatness with TCL. Well, Macadex got his 1998 NFC Central Division Champions hat on here, too. Look at this bad boy. This is, this is an original right here. I really want to get a Dante jersey. I keep seeing him on eBay, and I like even get recommendations yeah. now. I think I might have to go back and just get a throwback Dante one just to have it. it, it and it, it's still within the Mackie and Judd jersey rules, too, right, if I got a Dante yeah, jersey? You're, you're, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you either have to be older than the player, which you're not, or it has to be like sort of a nostalgic, uh, like ironic situation. So I think you're good there. Now, Dante was not on this team. Dante, I think Dante was drafted the next year. They maybe could have used him in the second half of this game. But this is a deep dive uh, historical pie chart of the 1998 NFC Championship game. And, gentlemen, I was 12 years old, very impressionable, born after the – I think there's there's the biggest contingent of, like, new Vikings fans – probably stems from this season. Is it fair to say that, that whether yeah. you were eight years old or 14 yep. years old, there's like a range, a generation of Vikings fans yep. that discovered the team or fell in love with the team because of this 1998 season, right? 100%. No and Dex, you were alive, but not conscious I was, for this. I was five, six. So like, I remember like 41 donut 2000 is my first real conscious season. I think I have very vague memories of a very upset father of mine um, at the 1998 championship game. Oh, yeah. Learn new words that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I cried for like two hours after this game was over. Wow. Because you did, like, Judd was an adult, so he processed it differently and he worked at the Star Tribune. So you were like, I went in the to business. work. I walked across the street and went to work. So you were at the game and yeah. then you, you were in the press box? No, I was uh, a buddy. A buddy of mine and I, who worked at the strip, had gotten tickets from Sid, and uh, were like twenty five rows behind 
Evander, the real deal Holofield. So he fought, was it the night before? He Didn't he, he boxed like that week, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I don't remember and that. Then he, I just like, remember seeing up. him and he was, uh, he was a big guy. Yeah, and he was on the sidelines the whole time? No, sure. he was like, no, he was in the stands. Okay, our, our, they our showed were, him on the sidelines at one point. Oh, okay, yeah, our seats were just to the left of the press box. And they, they were they were almost up against the old suites that were there. Yeah. So first row, good seat, or, or first deck, good seats. But, uh, yeah, no, I had to go to work at, and there were a lot of devastated fans. Well, there's the, the famous, like, Weeping Blondes photo in the Star Tribune, right? Like the three oh, blonde Brian gals. Peterson, greatest photo of all time. But I, I have, like, one major take about this game that I just want to get your guys' thoughts on, and we'll we'll carve up a pie chart of blame here. And these, these historical pie charts, we are saying that these are the official pie charts of record historically. Yeah. So like Declan did the Minneapolis miracle game. Stefan Diggs historically now is the you know most credited player in that game. I will give you who is the most to blame for this loss. Mm. The biggest slice of pie once yeah. we get going here. But my take on this game after watching it, this is the first time I've watched it like front to back all the way through. I've caught snippets of it on TV, obviously remember how I felt in the moment. This game created an overwhelming feeling of unfinished business for a generation of Vikings fans. And this game also at the same time destroyed the ability to fully 100% buy into any Vikings team after. Yeah, it destroyed trust, no question. Because there's, like, at no point until, like, I think until Gary Anderson missed that field goal, at no point that entire season did you think that they weren't going to steamroll all the way to the Super Bowl. And then you're kind of looking at the other side of the bracket. You're like, boy, that, that John Elway, Terrell Davis, Broncos team, that'll be a challenge. But, like, it was not part of your consciousness, if you followed that team closely, right. that they would lose to the Falcons in the NFC Championship game or lose to the Cardinals or whoever the hell they faced the week before, right? Yeah. No. So all, all of a sudden, you just get slapped upside the head, and they lose that game, and so many things had to happen for them to not win that game. So it's like if that team, the greatest offense in NFL history, by the way, average margin of victory at home, average margin of victory at home, 23 points. They were undefeated at home, and they beat, they beat their opponents by an average of three and a half touchdowns per game. It was nuts. And so it's like if that team couldn't even get to the Super Bowl, then what business does the 2004 team have or the 2019 team or all these others? Like It, well, it skewed your perception of what's possible and not with the Vikings. That's why, to me, 41 Donut was never devastating. Like, yeah. it, like you went into 98, in my opinion, with such high expectations that by the 2000 conference championship game, um, I remember sitting down to watch that game and thinking, first of all, the team is not nearly as good as that team was. And second of all, it almost felt too soon. Like that wound was so fresh as far as an indelible memory left. So like, that's why I've never thought that loss to the giants was like devastating. Yeah, I and it was so one-sided too, that I just sort of was like, okay, oh, well, yeah, 98 you, was a whole different. Yeah. Cause you watch well, And then you like the fact that you watch that 98 team lose to the Falcons it wasn't shocking that the 2000 team would go in and like lose in whatever fashion to the giants. In fact, that, that whole, I remember that whole lead up in the playoffs in 2000 and like going back and looking, that was a good team, man. That was like an 11 win team with a really good young quarterback and two of the great wide receivers ever. And, you know, they had some pieces on that team, but because of what happened in 1998, 
you never really felt like they were going to pay it off. So if you're a guy in his mid to late 30s like me and you discovered the Vikings in 1998 and there are tens of thousands of you out there because we've heard from a lot of you that consume Purple Daily, you probably feel the same sense of it's 25 years of unfinished business and you've been unable to fully buy in. Like you've been un- unable to really like commit to a football relationship it's, it's since love, that yeah. happened. Yeah, It's hard. And, and the thing about, about this too is, in my opinion, as a guy that's followed the team since 78, there is a clear line drawn here because 97. So Green got here. Dennis Green got here in 92. He immediately took the team to the playoffs. And, and they went to the playoffs with no real success for quite a stretch. But by 97, that team had sort of grown old and stale. And so, like, the fan base that you're talking about was either too young or just didn't care yet. And then Moss comes, and it changes everything. Yeah. So, like, I, I always say that, in my opinion, Vikings history, the current, the current era of Vikings history begins in 1998. In fact, yeah. as we've discussed before, the last game, and it can't, I think the rules have been changed now, so it can't happen. But the last game, last home game to be blacked out, was the final home game of 97 against the Colts. Yeah. So, like, there was... They sold out every game after that, basically. There was an apathy. Oh, most definitely. But there was an apathy, and that fan base was older, and it was sort of the Met Stadium fan base. So, really, the pivot to the fans that are are now the Vikings fans came in a wave with Moss in 98. Yeah. And now it's like that that whole group of fans, just you, we all just have a hole in our football soul. It's well, it's it's just this missing worse. piece. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I mean the, the the quick summary of the game, and it's available if you'd like to go back and pick at the scars as I did. Wow! But uh, it was a twenty a thirty to twenty seven devastating loss at home in the NFC Championship game. The the, the Falcons punched first. Actually, they took a seven nothing lead on the first drive and just kind of went right down the field. And John, classic John Madden in this game, by the way, just pointing out all the obvious things and talking about football. And you just got, you know, you got to go down the field, start fast. You got to start fast for the Falcons. And that's exactly what they did, you know, the whole game. Um, I think John Madden might have been in town the week before because they made it sound like he just stayed in because he doesn't fly. I think he just stayed in Minnesota for like two weeks because he was there the week before. He called the Cardinals game? I believe so. They made it sound like he had been there all week. That's probably accurate. So the Falcons punch first. They take a 7-0 lead on the first drive, but then the Vikings scored 20 unanswered points to take a 20-7 lead. And this is when you thought, okay, that was kind of a rough start, but here we go. Now we're rolling, and uh, it should be smooth sailing from here. So it's 20-7 to with two minutes left in the first half. Uh-huh. Cunningham fumbles. Falcons punch it in. So they start clawing back right before halftime. The Vikings spent most of the second half in the fetal position. Gary Anderson winds up missing his only kick of the year with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It would have put the Vikings up by 10. It would have ended the game. Um, the Falcons wind up coming back down, tying the game. Both teams had two possessions in overtime. So the Vikings scored yep. seven points from the two-minute mark of the second quarter until the end of overtime. The greatest offense at the time in NFL what history. What's that again? What, what's that stat? As Gary Gaetti once said, it's hard to play baseball oh, with two hands wrapped around your neck. Yep. 
So my pie chart contains six slices. Okay. And it, I think this game came down to moments. There was just moments here and there that if any number of things were to have happened differently for the Vikings, like if one of the, one of like six right. things happens differently. Oh, absolutely. They, they win this game. And yep. so I have six slices of pie, but you'll kind of, you'll sense that I'm piling more on certain moments here. Mm-hmm. And this pie chart, before we dive in, is presented by our friends over at Livia, who encourage if you're going to eat pie, do it in moderation so you can lose weight. Exactly right. If you are now, now, today, a long-suffering Vikings fan, and you like stress eat, and now you're like, I got to lose weight, and you want to look like that guy right there, because that guy a few months before that had 40 extra pounds on, on him, I'm going to tell you right now, our friends at Livia Weight Control Centers can help you get there. And also, this is a story, too, and it's really cool. So there are a lot of people in our Purple Daily family who have tried this and gotten the same results as that guy. It's been fantastic. It works, and most importantly, they're going to help you keep the weight off. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Oh, and here's the deal, too. How would you like to lose 20 pounds for free? Because the first eight weeks are free and again, this program, it's going to help you take weight off fast, efficiently, and keep it off. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-Livia.com. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So business owners, Federated believes, and I agree, are the backbone of our economy. Business owners create jobs. They employ thousands of people around the country. Well, millions of people, actually. Federated is focused on helping you business owners out there succeed through risk management tools and resources. You can find out more about how Federated can help your company at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Let's do it, baby. All right, let's go get it. All right, let's go get it. Let's get this pie chart here, boys. A pie chart of blame. The official historical record here. This is it. No question about it. Who knows how you feel about it? Put it in a time capsule and bury it when this is done. Six slices, starting with 5% to Randy Moss. So they kept talking about like, yeah, he's got like a stomach, or like a vague stomach pull or something. But then Madden kept saying, he looks looks fine to me. He's out there, you know, running around. But I'm not going to lie. In the second half, it looked like he kind of quit. He wasn't running routes at full. They kept showing him like kind of run off the line of scrimmage, kind of classic Moss. I'll play when I want to play kind of thing. Yep. And where it really struck me is there was a route at one point, and they did show the replay of this, and Madden pointed it out. He runs a route holding his mouthpiece in one hand. It was, oh, it was a, yeah. And it was a pass play, by the way. So he know, he must know, like, oh, I'm, like, the third progression on this. It's this half of the field. But it's like, dude, like, you're facing Ray Buchanan, man. Like, this is a veteran Falcons defense. So it just kind of felt like he wasn't running super hard at times. He was kind of pouting, weird yep. body language and was a complete non-factor in the second half. And there's a couple passes where, and we'll get to the guy throwing the passes too, where it's like, God, he, he probably could have jumped up. You've seen him score touchdowns on some of these plays, even in that Thanksgiving game. So I just wasn't in love with the whole Randy Moss vibe in the second half and overtime of this game. That game was the first game in which we saw in his uh, rookie season, the Randy, I play when I want to play, credo established. Because, yes. I mean, if, if you recall... I think it was by 2001 or so that that that's when he gave the quote and he gave the quote 
after then ESPN NFL analyst Merle Hodge showed him in a game against the Bears doing exactly what you're talking about, which is if a play wasn't designed for him, he would not decoy it. He would not do a damn thing. This is the first game where the thing with Moss was, at least at this time, when things started to go wrong, like when there was tension or stuff, he would just sort of punt on the game itself. So, yeah. like, that's the, just first, like yeah. that's the first essence of, well, if I'm not the guy, I just don't care that, that much. Now, unfortunately, it would grow and become worse at times. But, yeah, that's the first one where he definitely... He definitely was part of the problem that day. Yeah, he or what he became just, the problem. I agree. He just kind of retreated. It was just it was a weird vibe. All right, five uh, percent to left tackle Todd Stucy. Oh yeah, this is very well deserved. Okay, so and I'm giving this is more for like a moment, and there's other things you yeah. could probably lump in here, but he let edge rusher Chuck Smith eat him alive at the end of the first half, and it led to a strip sack of Randall Cunningham. And that's when the Falcons pick it up. They come back like first or second play, and they capitalize with a touchdown. He just got smoked on this play, and it's Cunningham's blindside. Now, Cunningham had horrible ball security in this game, but that's a moment where you got to find a way, man. And and he just got absolutely smoked. Blindside, strip sack, boom. Now it's a six-point game instead of maybe a three-score game if they go down and score oh, themselves. Yeah. Todd Stussy, up until that game, much like Gary, Hadn't missed a kick all season. Hadn't been beat for a sack all season long. Really? That was the first oh time. That was the first time. And here's the thing oh, that never. So triggering. So triggering. This is the thing that never gets talked about, too. Okay? That play, there is no question in my mind, impacted the end of regulation yeah. when they took a knee, right? Because there was an argument to be made that in that situation, just kill the clock, and you're up by what at that point? 13? Yes, it would have been going, 20, 20 and, to 7 going into the half. And I'm going to tell you right now, until that play, the Metronome, after the Vikings started to score, it was a coronation of who's going to the Super Bowl, who's going to leave for Miami when. Yep. I have never been. It's literally like going from Mardi Gras to a funeral within four quarters of football. Yeah, And that play, it was probably, and I was 28 at the time, that was probably my first introduction because, you know, keep in mind, the Twins had won two World Series. But that was probably my first introduction to Minnesota sports, just taking a knife and putting it through your heart. And it's like, oh, my God, what just happened? I didn't include the fans in this because the, the fans did not deserve this. But there is a certain aspect of, of Minnesota sports fan personality where if the opposing team or if, like, just the game in general throws a punch, oh, my God, you get you get knocked down for a second or – this horrible thing happens instead of kind of fighting back as a fan base and saying, no, not on our watch. We still got it. Let's go. This nervous energy creeps throughout the stadium. We moss it. We moss it. (laughs) We do take our mouth guard stick in our hand and walk off the line of scrimmage. (laughs) And that definitely did happen. You know, okay, we still got this at the, actually at the end of the fourth quarter, it was still kind of, okay, they tied it, but holy crap, that was horrible, but let's go, let's go, let's go. And then Denny green takes the knee and we'll get to that right now. Because I'm giving him 15%. Okay. This is where you might actually start to disagree with me. Yep. So 15% to Dennis Green for coaching scared throughout this game. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the Falcons tie the game with 30 seconds left. They score a touchdown. It's 27 to 27. 
the Vikings have only scored one time in the second half, right? Because they scored the one touchdown. Right. But you you are now getting the ball back at your own 20-yard line with three timeouts, 30 seconds, and the greatest offense in NFL history. And Cunningham, who we'll get to, he actually runs for like, it would have been like an 11-yard gain, but he kind of runs backwards, and it winds up only being a six- or seven-yard gain. And then the next play... They throw a 50-yard deep bomb to Moss, and he, like, loses it in the lights or something, and it, it falls, like, three feet to his left. And I remember thinking, given the circumstances for that entire season, I remember thinking, oh, touchdown. Yes. Like, there it, was no reason in your brain after what you had seen, especially at the Metrodome, but, I mean, that Dallas game, the Green Bay game, both on the road, there was no reason that you were that in your mind it's clicking of oh my god it's going to drop you're thinking yeah. oh touchdown and you're right yep so that was the second down play but now okay and I take the bet the drive actually started with like 50 seconds to go so I let me back up for a second after the first two plays you still have two timeouts left because I believe you burned one after the Cunningham play but it's third and three from your own 27 yard line 30 seconds left two timeouts. And the greatest offense in NFL history takes a knee yeah. and sends it to sudden death overtime, which they won the toss, by the way. But it's like, dude, and what are I'm, you serious? And what I'm telling you is I think Stussy getting beat by Chuck Smith and the strip sack and that whole sequence paralyzed Dennis Green with fear. It's like, but you can't, you can't operate that way in that I, moment. It's one of the most infuriatingly cowardly decisions in coaching history based on the magnitude, the leverage, everything. You know, I get it. Like, if you drop back and they strip sack you, they turn around and kick a field goal. Well, whatever. You could also take a knee, kick it off to them, and they've been running up and down the field the whole game. If if they lose the toss, maybe they come back anyways. Sudden death overtime. So to take a knee in that spot, Go get a first down. Where's Chris? Chris Carter's like one of the most automatic third down receivers in the history of the NFL. I know. And and your defense is really banged up. So if there's any way to avoid them coming back on the field in overtime, yeah, run the risk. Dude, they ran. In fact, in overtime, uh, Dixon Edwards is one of the linebackers for the Vikings, one of the starting linebackers. So he came out with like a partially torn hamstring. But then like all the backups got hurt. So they had to put a guy back in the game. And they showed him trying to run around. He could barely even, like, drag his leg around. And meanwhile, Jamal Anderson's running over here. And so, yeah, like, to your point with all the injuries, just don't put your defense back on the field. Go take the game. Go cross the 50-yard line. Eating better is easy with Factors. Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash purpledaily50 and use code purpledaily50 to get 50% off. That's code purpledaily50 at factormeals.com slash purpledaily50 to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. 
All right, that brings us to, let's see here. So if I, this is uh, slice number four here now of six. And I'm giving 20% to Robert Griffith oh, and the Viking yep. secondary. Yeah, I, I know why. Okay. So we'll, we'll start with like just the Viking secondary in general. I mean, Chris Chandler. Chris Chandler had a couple good years there, and Dan Reeves was a great sort of partner, head coach for him. So I don't want to minimize. Chris Chandler was really good for a couple years, journeyman, late in his career. But for God's sakes, he lights it up for 340 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Tony Martin and Robert Mathis, two good receivers. Dirty bird. They got whatever they wanted. Like, there was no resistance from the secondary. But the, but the biggest reason why Robert Griffith in the secondary gets 20%. Griffith specifically dropped two game-sealing interceptions yes, he did. on the Falcons' final drive of regulation that tied the game. Just flat out, like, Boom, ball hits his chest, or like, oh, I just have to like fall forward and fall on this. Two game ceiling interception chances, and he drops both of them, and the Falcons then go on to score the game tying touchdown. Yes. So oh, bad. God, yeah. Yeah. The one because the the one was basically in the end zone, right? Yes. And and he drops it in the end zone. Yep. And it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Again, everything went wrong defensively with stuff like that. But to your point about what Dennis Green did was, it's like, dude, your calling card has been offense all season, and he started to pull his punches. Yep. Yep. So if you if you go through, like, everything we've talked about so far, if either of those Robert Griffith missed interceptions is a pick, game is over. Yep. I would argue if Stussy doesn't let Chuck Smith blow by him and, and there's not a strip sack at the end of the first half. They don't lose the game. Game over. Yeah, I agree with that. If Dennis Green doesn't take a knee, I don't think it's automatic game over because you still have to gain like 30 yards and 30 seconds. But, I mean, you've been doing it all season, so. That's a state of mind, though. Yep. Like, like, that, like that just showed that you had completely gone away from the killer instinct that you had so effectively used all that season. That's what yep. it showed me. Yep. All right. Two more slices of pie here. Let's go 25% to Randall Cunningham. He completely turtled in the second half. And I kind of forgot because, again, this is the first time that I've watched the full game from front to back since I was 12 years old. He fumbled like three times, the one that we've talked about that led to the Falcons touchdown. He actually fumbled in overtime, too, and they recovered it. It's like what? there was a botched snap in the fourth quarter. Just all like, dude, all this stuff. But the biggest thing for me is watching this back. He did take some deep shots to Moss, but in general, he settled for way too much underneath stuff. And the Falcons were playing two high safeties. But it's like we talked about for years with that Mike Zimmer, sort of like Kirk Cousins. Well, they got, they got two safeties over the top. Therefore, we can just not throw to Justin Jefferson now. No, you have Randy Moss and Chris Carter. You can still throw the ball deep. You can figure out a way to make hay when they're playing over the top. So... Just in general, Cunningham looked flustered. He was inaccurate. He was conservative. And I will say, like, I mentioned this already, but the first down play, end of the fourth quarter, you're right before they took the knee, a wide open gap, and he senses it, and he and he turns a pass play into a quarterback draw. And he is golden. Like, he runs for 10, 11 yards, and then for some reason, like, starts running sideways and backwards. So he eats up more time, and they don't get the first down. It's like just stuff like that. Where, dude, what are you, what are you doing? So Randall Cunningham for just turtling in a huge game, twenty five percent. I've long said he spent the last two quarters, well, and OT, but 
starting in the third quarter after the Chuck Smith play, that guy spent the rest of the game peeing down his pant leg. Hoping I've, it would just like take care of itself in some way. But I mean, yep. he didn't want to be there. Yep. I've always said that. Like, like in retrospect, the fact that early in the 99 season, after the team didn't have a great start in Detroit, that he, that Randall Cunningham told Green, take me out, doesn't surprise me because yeah. that game was the start. I mean, I don't know if he woke up from this magnificent dream of 98 or what happened. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, it was Case Keenum in Philadelphia. Only with Case, I expected it. With Cunningham, I didn't. Yep. Yeah, man. It was just, it was really uncomfortable was really to watch. Raw. Even his, really raw his facial expressions, his body language, everything about it was just like really uncomfortable yeah. to watch. So, uh, so he's going to get a huge, a huge slice there. And that brings us to the final slice of pie here, boys, for the 1998 NFC Championship game. Gary Anderson. And it's another moment where if he just makes a 38-yard field goal, they win the game and they go to the Super Bowl. But he misses wide left. So so there's two minutes left. The Vikings are up by seven. They're driving. This would have put them up by 10 points with two minutes to go. The snap was fine. But people have kind of said over the years, like our guy Mike Morris, oh, the snap was high. The snap was fine. He just pulled it. He choked. He choked. And the the crazy thing is, he had not missed a kick in like 118 kicks dating back to 1997. He had made every one of his extra points and field goals the entire season. He made that season alone. He made 59 extra points in, um, in the regular season. And he made all 35 of his field goals, including by the way, 14 for 14 beyond 40 yards. And then the rest of them were under 40 yards. And in his career, which lasted a few more years after that. This dude made over 400 field goals under 40 yards. This is something he had done. Now, he obviously had, like, missed some of them in his career. But this is just, like, such he, – he let the pressure and the crowd and the Falcons and everything get to him in a way that he hadn't all season. So there's really no other way to put it. This was a 38-yard, pretty much a chip shot for a legendary kicker who hadn't missed in – a year and a half, and he freaking missed it. The incredible thing about that, too, though, as you just said, is it wasn't an overtime kick. It wasn't even a late fourth quarter. This is going – scores tied, dude. you got to yeah. win this game. Yeah. It All the Vikings asked him was, hey, we haven't had a great day. Can you put the cherry on top of the Sunday? Yep. All we want you this to is do a, is this put is a grinded out game. That's a veteran team. That's Dan Reeves, man. Like that dude's been to Super Bowls. Like he's yep. been to overtime in these games. And you just put the cherry on top. We don't need you to make the Sunday. We don't yep. need you to even apply the whipped cream. Just put the bleeping cherry on top. And yeah, he choked. Oh yeah, there's no question he choked. And yeah, the snap was absolutely fine. That's just a joke. No, that whole thing was the culmination of look too. I'm. This is the thing about this. This is, I would say, and, and I can't speak for the Super Bowls, but I know that the Vikings um, certainly weren't probably as good, aside from the Chiefs, as the teams that they played. The Vikings were the superior team here. This, I think, is probably the biggest overall choke, team choke, in Vikings history. Oh, yes. Blair Walsh choked. Brett Favre threw a terrible pass. That's sort of a choke. Yep. But I'm talking about an overall just gag 
I mean, you choked. Yep. You cost yourself. It was, and I will credit the Falcons for just being feisty. The Falcons were a 14-win team in the regular season. Jamal Anderson was one of the best players in the league that year. They had two really good 1,000-yard caliber receivers, and they had a professional quarterback. And Dan Reeves, I would say one of the more underrated head coaches of, like, the last 30 or 40 years. But the Vikings were so far and away the more explosive and, and better team throughout the entire season. And they had leads. Like, even as the Falcons were doing their Falcons thing and punching and being scrappy and not quitting and all these things, they had veteran defensive players. The Vikings still built a double-digit lead. They're yeah. still kicking a 38-yarder to go up by 10 points with two minutes to go. I mean, the game was just in hand. And they just they just got nervous and tight in certain situations from special teams to offense to defense. and. God, watching it back, it is that and then the 09 game, which we also did a historical pie chart for. How? Like, how do you lose both of the odds of you losing both of those games? Right. It's well, I was kind of hoping to go back and look at those games and think, okay, maybe we're like maybe we like put those games on pedestals too much. Bad things happen in sports. No, no. man. Those are two of the most horrible train wreck losses in football history. I do think 98's worse because of this. Um, in 2009, okay, Favre's pass was incredibly stupid, but it was Favre. And so you weren't entirely surprised he did something. Like like 2009, and, and I also thought that Green was a superior coach to Childress. So like, because yeah. in both cases, head coaches got uptight, which does not help in football. Well, hell, it doesn't help in any sport. Yeah. But, like, what happened in 2009, while incredibly frustrating, it was a little bit more like, I guess I sort of know what went wrong here. 98, to your point, like, you were literally the Rams a year before that Rams team came along. Yep. Oh, and I should clarify, I have mistakenly said a few times on Purple Daily that that Rams team broke the Vikings record. They did not. They came close, but they kind of made everyone forget about oh, the Oh, yeah, Vikings. the Patriots broke it, didn't the they? The Patriots broke it in 07. Yeah. The Rams came like 30 points away, but then the Patriots in 07. With that Rams high-flying greatest show on turf was, in many ways, originated, I think, in the modern era by the 98 Vikings. It was. Whereas, where you can kind of just plug a quarterback in, too, right? I mean, let's plug Randall Cunningham in. He's been collecting dust for a long time. Except he can't choke like he did. Yeah. Kurt Warner did not choke in 1999. So I got something I obtained from a friend of mine from the strip that I'd like to show you guys just to rub the salt in, just oh, God. to make a complete dex. If you can go full screen, because it's an old school thing, um, this is the paper that the, that was being <sighs> distributed outside yeah. outside the dome that they were putting back in trucks. For the audio audience, it's a, this is a Star Tribune, right? Yep, Star, Star Tribune. Tribune headline. Vikings win next stop Super Bowl. Yep. And then Vikings will make fifth trip to the NFL's biggest game. Falcons fall to Vikings in NFC championship. And it's Moss jumping into the hands. I believe his name was former Viking. I think he was a tight end, Greg DeLong. Yeah. But this is the paper. That was that supposed is to be paraded, brutal. you know, on Fox post game when guys are like, yeah, and they're holding up the paper. Yeah. This was the paper. That is so brutal. So the pie chart for the official record here, the 1998 NFC Championship game, pie chart of blame. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 5% to Randy Moss, 5% to left tackle Todd Stucey, 15% to Dennis Green, 
20% to Robert Griffith and the Vikings secondary, 25% to Randall Cunningham, 30% to Gary Anderson. Is that fair? Yeah, I thought you might give a little bit more to Dennis Green, but I think you're I think the I think you hit on all of the people that deserve blame. Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely emphasizing moments because you can make a case that like the 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 philosophy and the vibe of coaching that scared was probably worth more than 15%. But the tangible dropping of two interceptions led directly to the game not being over, you know? I think the one that's going to stand out to my dying day is the Stussy play, just because of how the pendulum in the building totally swung to, oh, my God, no. And what's what's really sad is, since then, so if I was 28 at the time, and it was the first time I felt this, like, impending doom, I have felt it countless times since. Twin Yankees, you oh, yeah. know, some type of impending doom. Timberwolves drafts. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, what no. are they Don't do, do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it, David Kahn. So, all right. Well, I don't know. That's probably not therapeutic for people, but we had to get that on the record here, an historical pie chart of the, the most prominent loss. And, I, and then the older crowd would say, no, the Super Bowls, but like this loss has defined a generation of Vikings. It's eras, right? Like, yeah. I, like, like, because I can't speak to the majority of the 70s, but I can say that if you're talking about someone who started to follow the Vikings after the the last Super Bowl loss, this takes the cake. Yeah. Like, this is the George Washington. The Saints game is up there, but not, you know. And, and then, like, the Walsh game is intriguing, but it's a, a wild card weekend loss. Yep. Can't be. The, ma- the magnitude, the magnitude matters in this situation. Um, you know who doesn't wilt under the bright lights and the magnitude Finch Home Solutions? Oh, hell no. My They're friend not going to Co- turtle up in the fetal no, position. No, no, no. You know what? My friend Cody, he and his team who are going to, if you are watching this right now, going to drive up on the, in that truck, they embrace the pressure. Not only do they embrace the pressure, but they will take all of the pressure off you. So if you have any electrical needs, big or small, at your home, guess what? Finch Home Solutions is going to be there. They're going to take care of you. They are fast. They are courteous. They are efficient. They're everything that you could possibly want. And the best part now is, if you'd like to call them, you certainly can. But if you want to go online and fill out an easy form with what you need, they will show up at your house. You don't even need to talk to them. That's how good these people are. They can damn near read your mind. FinchHomeSolutions.com. FinchHomeSolutions.com. I'm going to tell you from firsthand experience, they do great work. If you want to call them, that's cool too. 612-357-2604. Cody and his team, they can handle all projects when it comes to the electronics at your house. All right. There it is. All right, let's go get it. The pie chart of blame for the 1998 NFC Championship game. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was a dark, dark place, but we have emerged here. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Three Entertainment. Three teams have been 15-1 in the history of the National Football League. All right? Give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah.